Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The NASCAR Xfinity Series ready to go under the green of the Martinsville Speedway. They are side by side into turn number three. Jones down low. Ty Gibbs up high. Ty Gibbs gets roughed up. Checkered flag is out. Brandon Jones wins the call 811 before you dig 250 as they continue to crash further back. Everyone getting into the dust up here. And Chip Ganassi Racing and Cadillac win the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. Sebastian Bourdais and Renga van der Zander. Alex Riveris comes to the line. And his Aston Martin and Brian Sellers will drive the Paul Miller BMW to victory the first for that BMW M4. The battle goes the way of Eli Tomac, but the overall win in the war is handed to the 25 of Marvin Muscat. RJ Hampshire gets his first win ever in St. Louis. All hail the new King of Kota in 2022. And now Bastini takes a famous second win of the season here at the Red Bull Grand Prix of the Americas. Joseph Newgarden is a Long Beach Grand Prix winner. Long Beach, guys. Long Beach. It's been a while. Thank you. White flag is out. Joey Logano's on the back bumper of William Byron headed to turn one. One last shot for Logano. Can he get to the back bumper? Here they come off turn two down the back straightaway. Byron with the lead. Logano is second. Joey looking to the inside. Not close enough in four. What a drive for William Byron. He picks up the win tonight and the celebration is on. As Nate Ryan would say, greetings, everyone. Welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouse, along with the mayor, Jeff Burton, and the aforementioned Nate Ryan. I'm Marty Snyder. Glad to see you guys here today. Although it's Easter weekend, plenty of motorsports coming up this weekend. Obviously, a wild weekend last weekend in motorsports. Coming up on the show today, Austin Dillon off his third-place finish at Martinsville. He will join us here in just mere moments. The Bagman, Mike Bagley from Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90, will join us to give us the pulse of NASCAR Nation and also the big guy, Brad Darty will be here as well to talk about Martinsville. Bristol, of course, we want to hear from you guys as well. As well. 844-NASCAR-NBC is how you reach us. You can chat with us and also our guests, too. Jeff, uh, welcome in. First time we've seen you this week. I want to get your thoughts on all the chaos at Martinsville this weekend. What did you think? Well, you know, Saturday's race was chaos is a great word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You have a better word. Somewhere in there. Yeah. A, that, yeah, 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 Friday. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, was, yeah. that was a good race. Then Saturday... Uh, Saturday's Cup race just wasn't what we expect to see uh, at a Martinsville race. Normally, we expect to see more cautions. But I have to, I have to say this: uh, you got to give William Byron and his team a ton of credit. I mean, William Byron is a guy that we've all been sitting there waiting to just come out and explode. And you know, I said on this show, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, after mm-hmm. his first win, I said, hey, "This is it's coming. He's going to get a lot of wins." 
And I think that's right. I think this, is, this isn't going to be the last win that he gets. Uh, he's going to be somebody you're going to have to deal with for this championship. Nate, your thoughts as you watch from Long Beach Saturday night, the cup race at Martinsville? <laughs> well, great race for William Byron, like Jeff says. Uh, I, I think that he might have been the only guy that it was a great race for him and his team. And, you know, I had Steve Letard on the NASCAR NBC podcast this week, and I think he said something very, he made a very salient point in saying that no one is hiding from the fact that it wasn't a great race. I mean, it was a dud. And NASCAR is not going to bat a 1,000 with all of its races. It's, it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to get a perfect race every time out. And what I liked about the aftermath of Martinsville Saturday night, which, again, did not feel like any of the Martinsville races I've covered. I've been going there since yeah. 1999. You've been going there for much longer than that. It didn't feel at all like a typical Martinsville race in so many ways. And, but what I liked coming out of it is that we heard so much wherewithal and resolve to get it addressed for the next time NASCAR goes back there, both from drivers, from team owners, from NASCAR itself. We heard a little bit of that today from Scott Miller on SiriusXM. So I think that's the positive here from what, frankly, I think was a little bit of a negative on Saturday night. And we'll certainly chat about that coming up in the show in a little bit. Where does NASCAR go from here to get that fixed for the short tracks moving forward? I want to talk to you about William Byron's position at Hendrick Motorsports moving forward. Kyle said here a, you know, a week or so ago, actually it was on your podcast, Nate, he said, I think Hendrick Motorsports should build around William Byron. Is he establishing himself as the guy there. I mean, Chase Elliott is leading the points. Kyle Larson is the champ, but William's the one with multiple wins this year. So I have a different take than that. I, I, here's my take is that the Hendrick Motorsports made a major investment in young talent, and they went through a transition. And their transition of not running well wasn't just because of equipment. Some of that was getting drivers up and ready to go race and win. And so they made this investment with a, with a they have four young drivers that you can make the case any one of those can be the lead guy. I mean, Kyle Larson clearly is a defending champion, so he's a lead guy until somebody can beat that. But it's not surprising to see any one of those win. And if I said to you today, hey, Alex Bowman's going to win the championship, William Myers going to win the championship, Chase Elliott, it wouldn't be a big surprise. Some mm-hmm. are more favored than others. That's what you want as a race program. You want each team, each driver to challenge the other, and that's where Hendrick Motorsports is right now. And that will be a major advantage to them moving forward. And they've got the best young driver lineup, Jeff, in NASCAR, like no question about it. I think that was true going back to last year. I think what's interesting about the William Byron part of the equation is Hendrick has four drivers. Three are signed beyond the 2022 season. William Byron's the only guy in a contract year. So <laughs> I wonder, every win that he gets this year, and to just point, I think he's going to get some more. Does the price go up a little bit in that negotiating uh, Rick better, Hendrick? Rick better get it done now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't keep Before waiting. it gets more expensive, right? Um, hey, we uh, promised Austin Dillon. Let's bring in the guy who finished third at Martinsville on Saturday night. Terrific run for him. In fact, that's three straight top tens for Austin Dillon. Uh, you know, when you and I were hanging out a couple weeks ago, you told me on that day, you said, we're going to run well at Martinsville. You were right, but then after the race, you said you were disappointed to finish third. Why were you disappointed with the top three finish? Oh, I'm, I'm just a race car driver. It wasn't disappointing at all. You know, looking back, I wish I wouldn't have made that the, the narrative after our finish. It was a great run. Um, and you guys are talking about passing, man. I did not have a problem passing. Uh, so <laughs> I got third to uh, second. Um, so I had a lot of quality passes. Our car was solid on the long run and, um, you know, that run right there. And I was, you know, trading lap times back with William for there for a little while. We were really hoping that it would kind of go the same way it'd gone all night where at the very end of the run, we would just take off. And, um, I feel like they got their car just a little bit better there. And what I was disappointed about is I just, I had it 
in my mind what was going to play out that last restart and probably just you know just didn't execute as, as best as i'd like um you know i thought that uh timing on the restart was going to be key and i just spun the tires a little bit there and couldn't get to put the pressure on williams back bumper like brandon jones did the night before so it was in my mind i think i had the right strategy i just didn't execute it very well but you know looking back we were probably the second best car and um most of the night we were probably the best car especially in the long run just um william did a really good job and his team and our team did too so i'm pumped about you know what's to come but i i enjoyed the race i don't know what everybody's talking about i thought it was a good one I led every lap in New Hampshire one time. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, all right. I still read today. That was the worst race Nobody ever in the history it. of mankind. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it's all the, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? But Austin, so one thing I've noticed about what you and your team have done is over the years, you guys have worked on, on your weaknesses. You've done a ton of work on road courses. You've done a ton of work on short tracks. And that's starting to pay off. But how much work have you put in to get to where you guys are today? It's a lot, and I did mention that after the race. You know, we've been grinding away at uh, any type of opportunity we get to, to put the work in. And the simulator, um, man, we've we've done a good job. Uh, you know, going back a couple um, years now, like you said, in the road courses, going to Coda in the off season, running anything I can get in on a road course has really helped our our program there. And then when it comes to like short track stuff, um, you know. I've trusted the Chevrolet Sim. I mean, they've done a really good job with our simulator. Um, we're trying to build deltas that relate at the track. And, um, you know, it's, it's paying off. Uh, it really is. And we just put a lot into that. And, and I think my guys are really good at, you know, communicating with me during practice. I think that's one. If I look at any kind of, um, you know, strong point we've had this year, qualifying's been okay. It's not been great for us. You know, I – I struggle with getting out after qualifying and not being where I think we should be, but we do make really good adjustments going into the race to make our car competitive. And we're, we're always, you know, going forward instead of backing up. So, uh, staying positive is a, is a big part of that mindset. Hey, Austin, you mentioned the, the Chevrolet Sim and, you know, it's certainly not just the Hendrick Chevrolets we're talking about. We're talking about track house. We're talking about you and Tyler Reddick at Richard Trubles racing. Uh, how much is that increased emphasis that we, it seems like we've seen this year from Chevrolet in the engineering side and that strength in numbers with limited practice? You guys, I would think, have more data to kind of sift through on, on the Chevrolet side. How much is it everybody sort of working more together for Chevy? There definitely is a, a toge- togetherness, uh, you know, in the Chevy camp. I think Eric Warren moving over to that role has really pushed for that and done a good job. Um, getting all of us, you know, in line to be able to, you know, make our cars faster. You know, we had to, we had to do something, and I think, um, you know, like I said, a big push and, and effort goes to Eric Warren, Jim Campbell, everybody at Chevrolet is trying to get us in line so we would be, you know, the first ones with this next gen car out front and, and making it better. Um, you know, RCR did a really good job from the beginning of jumping on and, and being positive toward this car and um, trying to, you know make it as best we can instead of complaining uh, just go to work on it and make it drive better each and every weekend awesome we're going to take a couple, a couple of calls from some fans here at 844 nascar nbc we'll start with chandler in indiana chandler you're on with austin Dillon. go ahead what's your question hey there austin how you doing man doing good just uh hanging out in north carolina i'm watching a turkey walk around in my backyard <laughs> 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 we have that same thing here in Indiana too, man. 
Um, Austin, I know third place looks disappointing to you, but I feel like that's a great start, you know, to you and Richard Childress racing. So looking how you guys have been, you know, this year with this new next gen car, what are you guys expecting later this year in 2022? Well, I mean, with what we've you know learned uh, early on this season, I, I feel like we've had more opportunities as a team at RCR to win races this year. Uh, you know, looking back in years past in my Cup career, you know, I can count you know five opportunities in a year that I really feel like you know we'd circle those tracks and have a chance to go win. And now week in and week out, I feel like I'm more confident going to the track, knowing that if we do our job setup wise, that we can get ourselves to the front with an opportunity to win because, you know, ultimately winning races, you know, you don't, you don't have to have the fastest car every weekend to win. If you put yourself in position enough, you can take home a trophy. So um, the two top fives that we've had a second and a third place. And uh, I, I think we could have probably had a second place if it goes green right there at the end or mm. even a win. So things, things pay out a little bit differently uh, at Fontana and Martinsville. One of those could have, have definitely brought home a trophy for us, but I'm really proud of the effort, like I said, at RCR and um, feel good at the places we're at. And like you said, we get to go back a second time. And I don't think a whole lot's going to change from um, now and then. You know, there might be some changes on the short tracks with everybody complaining. But uh, I, I think the biggest <laughs> thing to, uh, you know, temperature is going to change a lot. You know, we didn't see a lot of fall off. I, I don't usually get out of a race car and have to look for a jacket after a race. I, I got a jacket on immediately after Martinsville. It was cold. There was a lot of grip there, but um, you know some things will change. But it, ultimately, the car will stay the same, and, and I think we can use what we've learned and, and just kind of gain off that. Let's head up to Ohio, where we find NASCAR. NASCAR, you're on with Austin Dillon. Go ahead, bud. Hey, Austin. Good to be talking to you. I, I know you didn't get the results you wanted, but you was the only car that was passing cars out there. But what I want to know is, so far with this new car and everything, and we see a race like Martinsville, not traditional we're used to, how have the lines of communication been between you and the drivers and NASCAR early on? What changes or how this car, how have them communications and what you guys can make this car better? How, have that, how has that been going? Well, I think, you know, Jeff and I both can talk to this. I, I bet it's the, the most fluid it's ever been from a communication line from NASCAR to the drivers and the drivers to NASCAR and, and the drivers just talking in general. There's a lot of talk, and we want to make it the best for the fans in NASCAR that we can. Um, not only we, we want to make it safe for, for us, we want to make it a good show, and I think we're really pro progressing each and every weekend when it comes to, you know, the communication lines in our sport. Yeah, we're in a great place in our sport right now, Austin, because we've got the entire industry working together to make it better. I mean, everybody, I mean, the drivers, the uh, NASCAR, the tracks, TV, the fans, we all want the best racing possible. We all have the same goals. And really, I mean, the communication within the sport is just at an all-time high. And with good communication and, and establishing some goals, you can make some stuff happen. And, and uh, it's, it's, you know, that's where the sport is right now. And it's, I think it will only get better, too, communication and and effort matters. And I think also part of that is, are they going to make changes at the short tracks? Do you foresee changes in these cars with enough voices, as you mentioned a moment ago, that are raised up now after Martinsville? Well, I mean, I think the consensus is, you know, at least one thing will change, and that was the gear that we took this past weekend. You know, shifting 1,600 times is probably not ideal for us uh, during the race weekend. Uh, you know, some guys don't feel like it promotes good racing, and, um, 
I, I think that'll change. I think that's just a lot. It's hard on equipment. And it, it, it was challenging, though. I mean, I, I think it, it was the same for everyone. It was a challenging thing to have to, you know, think about during the race. But it'll, it'll change, and, and we'll get back to where we'll be locked into a, a fourth-gear scenario. So if you do mess up, you won't have that recovery from the ability to be able to shift. But I think that the one thing that's cool about this car, the old car, we would have never been able to shift anyways because you would have been wheel hopping. And it's just the technology of this car is pretty cool. So... Um, yeah, it, it's just something that we're learning, and we can't we can't uh, be too upset with the racing that we've had this year. I'm, I think we've had some amazing finishes. You know, Richmond in general, I don't feel like that's been a good race for for kind of a while now. I think that's a track um, you know change that we can make. I don't know if we can add something to the track, whether it be the uh, PJ1, BHT, or the old Sealer. I never got to run it on that, <laughs> but I know a lot of guys that loved it. So, um, but from Martinsville standpoint, when it gets hotter at Martinsville, it's still going to turn into a, a better race when you come off the corner and you don't have any grip. Let's go to Marvin at 844 NASCAR NBC. Marvin, you're on with Austin Dillon. Go ahead. How you doing, Austin, Austin? <laughs> I'm doing good, Marvin. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, man. Great job on your third place finish at Martinsville. But, buddy, we're heading to one of my favorite tracks, the last great dirty Coliseum this weekend. How poised and determined are you to get yourself a victory for Richard Childress Racing this uh, Sunday night? Well, I'm, I'm pumped up. Uh, last year, I was probably too overconfident going to the dirt track just with my history and experience there. I tried to crew chief the car a little too much and should have just probably – let my guys do their job. So this year, that's my biggest thing is not to think about the race car and just drive it and tell them if it's tight or loose, kind of treat it like a short track, like we have been the last couple of weeks and just communicate with the guys, tell them what I need and let them make adjustments that they feel will make the car the best. But I'm getting to run the truck race. I'm excited about that. I went and sat in the, the Tyler Young truck today. So I'll have a little more time on the track. It's, it's a little different uh, configured than the past year. So hopefully that also, I think that, has been big this year for some guys is just getting to see the track a little earlier um, than jumping on it for that first practice. So um, maybe it'll all turn into the race that uh, we need to win this year. So I think uh, we'll, we'll put on a good show. So speaking of this weekend, do you wish that maybe more steps were taken with the cup car to where you could have a, a mesh screen as a windshield versus the traditional windshield, which they're going to go back to again this year? Yeah, you know, um, I think, you know, going back to a dirt track next year, it, it happened kind of late, if, if I could say anything, the communication on that and, you know, a lot of things going on with the next-gen car when it comes to parts and pieces. And um, the more we build up that, I think we'll have more time to do a better job at going to these tests and, and being able to, you know, be more fluid on making a change like that. I think it was mind-blowing for some of the drivers to think about a windshield not being in their car. I heard some pretty – funny comments you know, <laughs> uh, know every weekend at a dirt track on a saturday night guys race with bars in their cars no chicken wire uh, but we would have had to make some modifications to make it a little little safer but i think our industry you know personally they do a really good job of making changes fast and doing a good job of it or it got so much talent in our garage but you know possibly next year or uh, if we go dirt racing again we can do that and and then maybe have a more a track that's has more moisture and creates a little better uh, racing 
I, I still think you can have some great racing with a slick dirt track. And I think one big improvement this year will be running the dirt race at night. Uh, you know, at night mm. you, you feel that moisture come back into the track um, as the cool coolness comes in from the mountains and stuff. You'll, you'll have some of the moisture bleed back and maybe the, the groove widens out a little bit. I got to agree, though. I kind of like a windshield there, Jeff, when I'm doing 100 plus miles an hour. I mean, I'm just call me crazy. I was like, no windshield? What are you <laughs> Austin's got the plan, though. He's, trust me, it'll be a better race. So, all right, man, enjoy the uh, Bristol Dirt Race on Easter Sunday night. Thanks, guys. You guys uh, enjoy the rest of the show, and thanks for having me on. Hey, man, Austin Dillon joining us off of his top three finish at Martinsville. When we come back, Mike Bagley from Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90 will join us. We'll talk a little Martinsville. We'll also talk Bristol Dirt as well when the Bagman joins us next. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Just the flatter the track, uh, these cars are really, really, really tough to pass. I mean, it's, it's the design we got. There's no, there's no easy fix. Um, you know, it would take a kind of a complete redesign uh, to try to figure something out. If you, if you drove these cars, you, you'd know that it's just, yeah, the, the, the wake is big, and we just don't have the ability to have the mechanical grip right now to, to pass. I mean, listen. We want big changes. We have to be testing now for next year because we have to get new parts made. I mean, we can't even get the parts we got now. So everything is just so delayed and we have to be testing now. And what I think probably we could or should do is just get a couple, you know, engineers or something from each team to collaborate on what do we think make it better. Because that's what happened when we retested Charlotte is they, they NASCAR came to us and said, please help us. That Denny Hamlin after the race at Martinsville. Thank you to Dustin Long for all of that information to unpack all the stuff from Martinsville. Talk a little Bristol as well. We'll bring in Mike Bagley from the morning drive from Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. Top of the evening, Bagman. How are you? Good evening, gentlemen. I don't know what I could add to this conversational greatness, but I'm going to give it a shot right here. <laughs> All right, before we start talking about what Denny had to say, let's talk about William Byron. Is he new, the new lead dog at Hendrick Motorsports? I'll be honest with you. A couple weeks ago when Kyle Petty said he was the guy at Hendrick, I was just like, wait, what? And then it's like, hmm, last couple of weeks, almost won Richmond. Of course, he won Martinsville. I'm thinking that perhaps maybe William Byron and Rudy Fugel I don't want to say they're the Kyle Larson and Cliff Daniels of this year, but they're the ones that obviously had they're the first team to win twice. And perhaps maybe they're the ones that are going to start to leg it out here. Time will tell. It's going to be a week-by-week -week basis. Dirt's going to throw them a curveball this week. But obviously, when we get to Talladega, you know, when we go to Dover, when we go to Darlington, I'm going to keep an eye on William Byron because I think that he has the potential to be that breakout driver. Things are just clicking on that 24 car right now. 
Well, we, we said earlier, Mike, that uh, certainly William Byron was happy about what transpired Saturday night, but we just heard from Denny Hamlin. We heard some of some other drivers as well. Uh, what was it like? You and Pete are always on the front lines of NASCAR Nation uh, from <laughs> 7 to 11 a.m. Uh, every Monday morning on Sirius XM. So what was it like, uh, the aftermath of Martinsville, and what did you hear from the fan base? Well, there's two totally different reactions. There's the on-air 866 pit lane reaction, and then there's the social media <laughs> reaction. And the social media reaction had a whole lot more bite to it and had a whole lot more uh, fire to it this week. There's a lot of folks out there that just were not pleased. I mean, let's be honest. That's not what we were looking for for Martinsville. Um, we've talked to a lot of people about it this week. A lot of folks think that, you know, we start with the tire. Uh, maybe maybe we go in a different direction. Greg Stucker was on the channel this week from Goodyear. He addressed that. We had Scott Miller, NASCAR Senior VP of Competition, on from, from NASCAR this morning. And, you know, he addressed that they're going to explore into some, some tire areas. I don't think it's a car issue. The common denominator is, I believe, it's the weather. Perhaps maybe the track wasn't warm enough to take rubber. That's one of the things that I was surprised at. You got to the end of that race, and that track looked like at lap 390, like it did at lap 90. I mean, it was just not taking rubber at all. And perhaps maybe it needs to be it needs to be warmer. I mean, there's a lot of head scratching going on. Uh, there's a lot of people taking a look at it. But I don't know if there's wide sweeping changes needed for when we go back, um, not knowing what conditions we're going to have. But I don't think anybody could have predicted the conditions that we got Saturday night. It was three days prior. It was 80 degrees in Martinsville. And then what, it was 38, I believe, during the course of the race on Saturday night. It was 18. I stood at the top of the grandstands for the entire night. It was 18. It wasn't 38. Yeah. My goodness, it well, was Well, you're cold. delicate anyway, so, Burton. I am. I am. I may or may not have stolen some coffee from the MRN booth. But, oh. um, mm. So, listen, I want to move it forward. And I'm really interested. In, you know, you guys, we had the dirt race last year. Now we're going back to the dirt race. What is the general consensus of the fans of the dirt racing? I don't think dirt racing is the issue. I think the biggest issue with some fans is racing on Easter Sunday night, um, mm. which will be the eighth time we've done it scheduled-wise. We haven't done it since 1971. We've had makeups along the way where we're going to race one day, but we got weathered out, and then we, we have raced as a makeup. But as far as a scheduled event, you know, it, it, the conversation this week has been, well, the NBA's got Christmas. You know, the NFL has Thanksgiving. Um, obviously, college football has New Year's Day, but that's not considered to be a holy day for some or a religious holiday for some. But now we're going to go Easter Sunday night. And I think that the true gauge that we're going to get on this is do folks watch it on TV? Do folks buy tickets to watch it in the grandstands? That coupled with us being back on dirt, I think that there perhaps maybe could be a day of reckoning ahead for this event coming up, either the day it's run on or do we run on dirt at all going forward later tonight? Claire B. Lang's got an interview with Kyle Larson, and he is very frank about what we he thinks we're doing on this dirt situation, and he gives an honest assessment. I think we'll have that tonight for a, uh, a little after mm -hmm. 7 o'clock, maybe I think 7.30 Eastern. But Kyle Larson just shot from the hip, and basically he called, he called what NASCAR's attempt at doing is lame. Um, and then he goes into a little mm -hmm. more detail. We'll have that for you in the interview, but He's not necessarily putting that at the top of his uh, dirt track bucket list, I guess you could call it, coming up this weekend. Uh, Bagman, speaking of uh, the dirt race this weekend, let's head out west to Arizona where we hear from William. William, you're on with Mike Bagley. Go ahead. What's your question? Yes, Mike Bagley. Um, so for this current package that we have going into Bristol, 
what are our expectations for the fans to be able to get the greatest show for this second year of dirt racing? Oh, that's a $64,000 question now, isn't it? Do we have the right package? <laughs> they made adjustments to the cars, uh, not wide sweeping changes, but there's been a tweak here or there. I heard Austin talking uh, when we came on about no windshields and all that stuff. Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, we will have windshields in, in the cars. But as far as the next-gen car, I don't even know how anyone knows what we could possibly have because, number one, this is only our second time on dirt. But, number two, we don't know how this car is going to behave, like the under portion of, of the car. I think practice will be very important. At least teams get a ton of practice this weekend compared to what we normally get. I think we'll have some answers or at least some some of the answers, not maybe all of them, when we wrap up practice this weekend. But I honestly don't know what to expect or tell fans what to expect with all the adjustments we've made to moving it tonight and perhaps maybe uh, putting in the, the progressive banking to make it more banked up top. I don't know. I do know that it's going to be worth checking out, and we'll see where we go from there. I think it's important to note that there's a lot of changes going into this race. You just mentioned uh, they, they actually changed the racetrack, put progressive banking in it so it's banked more at the top. And then the big thing that happened, well, two things. Number one, it's a different tire. What I hear, it's a much softer tire, a tire built more for dirt racing. And on top of that, it's now a night race. And why does mm. that matter? Well, the reason that matters is because now, being at night, the track doesn't dry out as quickly. So we had that mm -hmm. dust bowl at the last race. Now, you run it at night, you get the right moisture in it, and it does not you know, dry out as bad. And that makes the cars dry better. That keeps the dust down. So... They took what they learned from last year and they made a ton of changes going into this year to try to make it better. I, I and I think it will be. I mean, I, Stuart Friesen, uh, he he tested at Bristol, I believe it was last week. Mm -hmm. He spoke very positively about it. So it felt like all the changes are really good. So I think this event has every opportunity to be a better event than last year. Well, and I think you're right. With what we've done, I mean, it may sound like small things, like when you put progressive banking in, but moving it to night visibility was an issue last year. Remember, we had to go to single-file restarts because the, visit the visibility was just such of a challenge to all the drivers. But when you put all that together, you know, what, what, what perfect storm will come out of all these changes and the current environment? We've basically done all this in a lab, so to speak, with testing, but now comes time for practical application. You've got all the cars on the racetrack. Now, when you put all of them out there with all of this put together, how will it come to be? What kind of race will we get? What kind of product will we get? We're going to have to wait and see. I'll give them an A for effort all the way from redesigning the track, and I say redesigning with the progressive banking, to moving it tonight to doing all the other adjustments they've done as well. We'll wait and see. I'm hoping for the best. Let's head to Josh in Nebraska who wants to talk about the Bristol Dirt Race, and he has the question that I want to ask. So, Josh, go ahead. You're on with Mike Bagley. Yeah, hey, Mike. Um, well, my personal comments about this whole dirt, well, I'm pretty excited for the whole event. I'm really excited to see what the next-gen car can do. I think what NASCAR is going to be doing with these next, with last year's race, it's very exciting to see what they are able to do and to learn from the Gen 6. I mean, if we look at what the next-gen is like, no diffuser on there, I think that helps with a drag issue perhaps well and also with the comments is it possible that we're being dragged back i'm not sure i'm still excited for it i really am 
His question on here, Bagman, was should Bristol be raced on dirt at all? Which I say no. I mean, I think it's one of the best racetracks. Leave it as, as asphalt. I don't think Bristol should be raced as dirt. Let's go race Eldora if you want to race dirt. What do you think, Bagman? Well, I think that the fans that said, listen, we don't have any short tracks as it is, and then you took one and you made it dirt. I, I think that that voice is still there. And I can see that point. I think that if we get a great race, you know, we were about to entertain this topic this morning. We may do it tomorrow. You know, when you sit there and you watch a race for 400 laps, right, and you sit there through 390 of it, and it's one thing. And then you get this massive run at the end and this chaos breaks out and all heck breaks loose in the final 10. A lot of fans forget what happened in the first 390. Could that be the case this weekend at Bristol? When perhaps maybe you may have a challenge here, a challenge there, but if it ends good, does that sign off on the whole event? That remains to be seen. I'm one that I tried it on dirt last year and I'm always that when we try something, let's go back and see what we get the second time through. Second time through, I'm more inclined that if it doesn't pass muster, you take the dirt out and you leave it out and you go back to concrete and you go back to what more the legacy fans and more the traditional fans know. But I do like the dirt race from the standpoint of it's something different. You want to relocate it, take it somewhere, that's fine. But I do think that our schedule probably is, is, is one of the more complex schedules that we have because we do a little of this, a little of that, we spread it out, we do three race swings of this. We do three short track deals here. We go into a super speedway. We're going to a dirt track. Now we're going to a road course. We've got a lot of everything. And I like that diversity of the schedule remains to be seen. Should we do it at Bristol? If it doesn't work at Bristol, maybe not throw it out completely. Maybe you do take it to an Eldora or something like that. If it's important for us to have a dirt schedule. And I think that that's the question that needs to be answered. Do we need to have one? And if so, where does it need to be? Does it need to be at Bristol or does it need to go to Eldora? What do you think? I mean, do you guys think that we should have a dirt track at all? I think there should be a dirt track, but I'm with I'm in Marty's camp. I mean, they should take it should Knoxville, not be, Eldora. Yeah, right. Don't take a, away one of the best race yeah, tracks. I yeah. mean, the September race last year at Bristol was probably the best race of the 2021 season. It had the indelible moment of Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick having their confrontation. I, I don't think you want to limit the ability to have those types of moments at the expense of covering Bristol with dirt. But there's also I, something listen, I, we need to consider here, though. There's also something we need to consider. I believe that this change to, to, to dirt at Bristol in the spring came from lackluster attendance. I mean, that spring race was largely underattended compared to the night race that we get in the fall. So I think that if you look at something, be like, okay, well, if this isn't working in the spring, and what we got in the fall is working, well, maybe we give people something different, give them two totally different experiences. So I'll give Jerry Caldwell and everybody at Bristol the A for effort for that. But this wasn't done. Be like, hey, let's just throw dirt on Bristol just to throw dirt on Bristol. Those stands, we saw, we saw a lot more metal than we did humanity in those grandstands in the spring. Last year, we saw more people for the inaugural dirt race than we did when we had the concrete race the previous year. Question is, will those people come back and will more of them come back for this race this weekend? I think that the attendance is what was driving the radical change, what some folks view as a radical change, going to dirt as opposed to the traditional concrete. Bagman, we have buried the headline somehow. I'm sure the number one topic on the show this week or all week long has been the, uh, the fight, which happened Friday night. Which side oh, did they take? Were they in Camp Gibbs or Camp Mayor? It's always the fight. I'll tell you something. The fight always <laughs> takes the biggest. Ty Gibbs. Uh, 
Ty Gibbs has got some work to do uh, as far as the perception of the fans and the reputation of the fans. Nate, you know, you're listening. Um, you know, I mean, obviously NASCAR responded with a $15,000 penalty for what he did to Sam on pit road. That right there didn't help. And then the perception is, look, you can dish it out. The week prior, he moved John Hunter Nemechek, right? And he said, I know I got one coming. Well, when you dangle $100,000 in front of some of these guys and, and, and you've got some of the personalities that you do, they're going to move you, and they're not going to be shy about doing it. I think the general consensus from our listeners this week is, listen, if you're going to move somebody, get ready to get it back. But when you get it back, don't complain, just like you expect others to not complain when you move them. And then you get into the whole fight thing where I'm sure matters are being tended to behind closed doors. And after that prayer meeting they had with uh, Wayne Alton, series director and other NASCAR folk, I'm sure the <laughs> message was received. The question is, has it been processed, and will it be adhered to going forward? I think NASCAR, he's on NASCAR's radar, there's no question. But he's also on a lot of fans' radars as well. And his perception and his reputation is not the best that it could be right now. Bagman, you said that the $15,000 was for what Ty did to Sam on pit road. But that was with the cars. That wasn't with what we just saw, the the fists. Uh, Do you think that Ty Gibbs maybe should have been penalized further for uh, the punching in addition to ramming his car on pit road? No, I don't, because I think what we saw there is just a byproduct of what we've seen on our local short tracks. Now, people will respond to that. Well, you know, it was this, it was that. Listen, that kind of activity has been a part of this sport since it came along. We still replay footage from 1979 where that put the sport on the map to to all of a sudden come down on that to me would be just, well, if you're going to come down on that, then you need to stop using the 79-500 to promote the sport. You know what I'm saying? And by the way, Bobby Allison left his helmet on there. I don't think he got as much grief as Ty got from leaving his helmet on Saturday night at Martinsville. <laughs> All right, Bagman. Well, thanks for the perspective as always, bud. We appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Appreciate it, gentlemen. Have a great night. All right, man. You, buddy. Mike Bagley joining us here. Lots of opinions as always. Yes, sir. Can I add real quick? Yes, I know we got to go to commercial. But I do TV think show. it's important to remind ourselves and the fans that the truck series and the Xfinity series are for driver development. Mm-hmm. And Ty Gibbs is not the driver or the human being that he's going to be five years from now. And I think there's times that we judge people in the Xfinity series and the truck series as if they're cup drivers. They are not. They're learning how to be cup drivers. Hopefully they're learning how to be cup drivers. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to push buttons. Hopefully they all get better as time goes by. Ty Gibbs pushing some people's buttons, he's on the gas, pushing all the time. But don't forget the positives. The guy's winning races. That's true. The guy's winning races, and people are tuning in to watch him, whether they like him or hate him. But he is 19. And he is 19 years old, and we should not judge him like he was 30 years old. Steve brought that up on your behalf on Monday. So he was saying, Jeff and I talked about this very topic just the other day. So there you go. So we'll talk more about Ty Gibbs coming up here in just a little bit. I'm not sure Brad Darty is over his heels not winning the national championship. Oh, my God. We'll I know, I know what I'm going to hear about Anyway, though. about racing stuff, car owner and also our compadre, Brad Darty. He'll join us here on Motor Mouse coming up in just a moment. Hey, go, big man. Talk to you in a second. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. 
Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. It's time to get down and dirty. It's green, white, checkered time on the dirt here at Bristol Motor Speedway. Joey Logano will be the first driver in a half century to win on dirt in NASCAR's Cup Series. Man, it's incredible. How about Bristol on dirt, guys? This is incredible. There's nothing like winning at Bristol, but putting dirt on it and being the first to do it is really special. little appetizer of what to expect this weekend. Uh, hey, it's Easter weekend, Jeff, but it's pretty busy, isn't it? A lot happening. There is a full schedule right there, Mari. <laughs> a lot of watching going on this weekend. Supercross from uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway. Kyle Petty said he's going to go down for that. And then next weekend, Nate, will be busy in Indianapolis with the uh, open test for the Indy 500. Critical two days of testing for the biggest race in the world, Indy 500, coming up in May. We'll talk Jimmy about Johnson. that in just a Jimmy second. Johnson. Jimmy will be there. Jimmy will be there. We'll, we'll, we'll mention that in just a minute. Yes, oh, I'm we sorry. Will, I didn't mean so. to jump the gun on you. Right, I'm sorry. No, hey, man. Taking we're your stuff. We're just hanging out. We don't care, you know. Uh, one guy certainly will have a watchful eye on the Easter evening race at Bristol will be our buddy Brad Doherty. Uh, sorry about the heels. Up 15 at halftime. I believed what? at that moment, sorry. Brad, was going to happen. Sorry. Are you kidding me? We won't do twice within 14 days. Everlasting butt whoopings, too. Poor Kim Burton was hiding all the sharp objects over at that Burton household. <laughs> poor, poor Jeff was looking for something to do to, to end it all. Oh, man, we whooped him in, in Coach K's final game. That does, You can't rub that off. And then in the final four, we whacked stay behind. That is everlasting, Sorry, brother. I mean, it was it was pretty easy. It was pretty it was pretty easy to rub off when y'all did an Atlanta Falcons fake Super Bowl giveaway a win. Y'all did just like the Falcons, just gave it all away. A total meltdown. Total meltdown. Hit me upside the head. Uh No sharp, no shiny eyes. This is the basketball show. This is the basketball show. Too much. Yeah, listen to you. Uh, big guy, thoughts on Martinsville. Uh, I know for your team, wasn't the race you wanted, but thoughts overall on the race, Brad? Yeah, I, I, it was really interesting, you know, just the cars, and we really struggled. Uh, Ricky, I mean, you know, he, he's going in the corner, and, you know, race car driver's got his hands at 10 and 2 all day long. Both of his hands were at 6. We just could not figure out how to get the car to rotate. And as we talked to people after the race, talked to folks at Gibbs and the folks we, folks we raced around, it's kind of the same thing. So really difficult. Um, you know, there's a few teams that, that have some things figured out, obviously. Uh, took advantage and, and ran real well, but we've got a long way to go. Um, and I'm concerned because we get into June and the bigger teams really start to pick up the pace. But right now we got a lot of things going on. You know, there's, there's parts issues, um, you know, the, the single source suppliers. We've got budgetary issues. We've got a lot of stuff going on that's catching us every week. A lot of fires we're trying to put out. And as a smaller team, it's somewhat overwhelming. But uh, looking forward to getting to Bristol. This is a big, you know, these next two weeks are big for my race team, big for Ricky. Uh, he's really good at, on the dirt, and he's good at Talladega. So we're hoping we can right the ship. Hey, Brad, we were just talking about the Xfinity race and the aftermath at Martinsville. I want to sure. bring you in and get your take on that. Uh, you've got a unique perspective because not only were you a professional athlete who knows what it's like to be in the spotlight and maturing through some awkward situations, controversial situations, but you're also a NASCAR team owner who has dealt with yeah. – younger drivers. 
So looking at Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs, what they were involved with after that race Friday night at Martinsville, how would you counsel both of them in terms of how they handled it, how they should handle those sorts of things going forward? Yeah, I think what Jeff said is, is 100% accurate. I mean, come on, you know, 19, 20 years of age, if you're going to judge me on the things I did at 19 or 20, then it's just over. So, uh, but you take these circumstances for both of these young men and you sit down and you talk to them, you go back, you look at everything that's happened, you go through the chronology of their past several weeks and you talk to them about how to go forward. This is an absolute a great opportunity uh, for the, both of these young men to grow, to learn. Uh, NASCAR is going to come down hard on them. The owners are going to come down hard on them. But it's just part of the maturation process. Uh, guys are fired up. They're racing hard. Just like Jeff said, he's dead on. They're developing. So this is part of the development that you learn. You can be aggressive. Uh, you can have that edge. But they're going to learn this week and, and going forward that, you know, you can't drag your corporate partners down this road. It's just there's so many eyes on our sport today. So much has changed. I uh, heard Bagman talking about 1979. This isn't 1979. You know, we, we have to be a little bit more aware of, of how we purport ourselves. Everyone wants to see the aggressiveness, though, and good short track racing. You know, it, it builds those tempers. We expect guys to get out and be a little hacked off. So great learning opportunity for both these young race car drivers. Brad, that sounded like it was spoken as a car owner. So let's put yourself, if that was your son or your grandson, and you're speaking to your 19-year-old grandson, well, how would you handle it if it's that from the family perspective? First thing I'd say is, Sam, don't ever take your helmet off again. Leave your helmet on <laughs> if you get out and you got a confrontation. That's the first thing I'd say. And then if I'm talking to the young Mr. Gibbs, I, I think that, you know, the biggest thing that he's going to have to learn is, you know, the perceptions. Perceptions become reality, unfortunately, for all of us. And the perception is, okay, he is heir apparent. Uh, he is very talented, but it's a silver spoon type situation. Fans don't like that, especially you know, in our sport. There's a lot of blue-collar, hard-working race fans. They think that he's going to be given all these things. So he has to go above and beyond, and that's what I would talk to him about in how he purports himself. He's going to have to always do a little bit extra to prove himself. And I tell you, young man is awfully talented. He's got a lot of ability. Like Jeff said, he gets up on the wheel. He gasses that thing up. I think he's going to be a major talent at the next level. But he has to overcome these hurdles because once, when and you know, when he gets to the cup level, you, know, you don't want that type of baggage. I don't care how talented you are. It will run its course today. 20 years ago, maybe not so. But today, if you have that type of baggage and, and that type of of fan perception, it's going to hurt you economically. And today's world, I'm telling you, I look at it every day. You have to be, you have to have a little bit more of a spotless reputation in order to garner those sponsorship dollars. So he's got a big talking to, great learning experience though. So Brad, going into this weekend, uh, you got a driver, Ricky, that's got a ton of dirt experience, loves dirt racing, ran well there, there last year. What are you thinking about going into Bristol this year? Yeah, we're, you know, we're leaning on him heavily. Uh, he loves dirt racing, and uh, he's excited. You know, we've struggled over the last few weeks, and it's been hard on him. Uh, we had some great runs earlier on the season, had motor problems, just crazy stuff going on. But this week, we put all behind us. You know, I always say, as a smaller race team, the dog days of racing are in June. So you better make hay while you can. And this is a unique opportunity. We feel like we're one of the guys to beat. And uh, if we can go over, we don't make mistakes, 
We don't knock defenders off the race car. We get to the end of the day. I like my chances with Ricky Stenhouse as much as anyone. So we're excited. We think this is a great opportunity to get to victory lane. So real quick, Brad, we were talking about the future of the Bristol Dirt Race and this Cup Series on Dirt period. Do you think the Cup Series will be on dirt at Bristol in 10 years? No, I don't think that's going to happen in 10 years. I mean, I think it's been fun. I think I really enjoy any kind of racing. Uh, but, but I, you know, they're the pundits that are pretty – they have a lot of weight that have, have weighed in on this and don't, they're not excited about it. They don't care for it. They don't want to go back, you know, into history, the history of the sport and, and pick this – style of racing back up for stock cars so i'm i'm skeptical about this going beyond the next few seasons but hey while we have it it's been it's fun just like the 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 proposed street race just like the race at la coliseum these things are great for our fans and our corporate partners so as long as it's there we'll come we'll show up we'll race as hard as we can and uh wherever we go we're we're trusting in nascar we'll show up and we'll light them up and go as hard as we can go what I think we're in a great place, Marty, that we've mm-hmm. never been before is the flexibility, right? The Roval. Right. We, yeah. we point. go to L.A. Coliseum, put dirt on Bristol. So this, you know, we used to build racetracks and say, okay, we're going to go there next 50 years. We don't have to think like that anymore, hmm. right? So right. You, don't have to, you don't have to keep that dirt on the racetrack all the time. You don't have to go back to L.A. Coliseum. You don't have to keep running the Roval. That flexibility we have in our sport we've never had before lets us move that schedule around to give fans what they want at that time because it changes. Fans want different things today than they did 20 years ago. And, you know, the best news for Brad is that the pavement short track season for JTG Darty is over for a little while. Yes. Dirt this yes. weekend where you guys should be good. Best of luck this weekend on the dirt this weekend, Brad. Hey, thank you, boys. Go Tar Heels! <laughs> <laughs> we will see you soon, my friend. And hey, when we come back, Jeff asked about it. We'll talk about Jimmy Johnson. Ready for the open test, we'll hear from Jimmy next. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch. Five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hey, Nate, here's what uh, Jimmy Johnson tweeted out today, which we kind of uh, suspected I did, at least at Long Beach, uh, with the screw being inserted. That was Monday, a little surgery here in Charlotte to repair the broken hand and already in the sim right after that ready to go for indianapolis the open test now seven days away uh that was uh, a little old can i just uh, say that yeah. that screw looked really big it it's did look big. very large didn't it <laughs> like- um jimmy says he's ready that broken right hand what do you think nate yeah with a as burton says a look screw at that. the length I of mean, his finger that's well, look, at the, right look at the width of uh, it I yeah. mean, he seems I, I thought it was this not the length of his fingers this bone uh, what he told me in, in spending a lot of time with him this weekend is that bone right there on the yeah. right right hand. So. I broke I broke this hand uh, a few weeks before Charlotte raced, you know, Xfinity race, and I broke every bone in my hand. Yeah. And I was told at that time that for some reason the, your hand bones can heal relatively quickly. So hopefully that is the case, and Jimmy will be ready to roll. I mean, he certainly seems to think he's going to be okay. And we had James Hinchcliffe on Monday, and he believes that Jimmy could have raced the Indy 500 tomorrow if he had sure. to. It's not going to be an impediment for him to test there next week. But the week after that, Jeff, there's a road course 
that they'll be racing That's at. what worries me. Barber Motorsports Barber's Park, one of the which most is, physical IndyCar It is tracks. the most physical track on the IndyCar circuit. And then after that, before the Indy 500 ramps up with all the practices and qualifying, there's the Indy road course on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, road course, the Indy GP. So he's got two road courses that's probably going to put a little stress. I mean, you're a driver. I mean, I guess you can do it, right? But it's just... It's pain tolerance. It's how much you can deal with. Yeah, pain tolerance. And then, of course, you don't want to re-injure it. You know, if you were to get in another impact and possibly re-injure it, that's the real fear, right? They wouldn't let him race if they felt like it was not okay, which is probably why the screw is so big. And and then he said to me, he said, you know, uh, on the air, he said, listen, I I would have given up this race. The 500 is my priority. I would assume he would give up. Barber, he would give up the Indy GP to race the Indy well, 500. Well, Here's to that Jeff's first point, crash. I mean, this wreck happened Friday morning, and to Jeff's point, I mean, he crashed two more times during the weekend <laughs> without having any surgery, without with just having that carbon fiber splint mm-hmm. uh, stabilizing that injury, and he didn't re-injure it any further. So I would presume they take some confidence from that fact that they he's already crashed twice with this and didn't damage it further. Jimmy's going through that phase right now that all race car drivers go through and he's going through it in a different series is that last year he didn't really have enough speed. This year mm-hmm. he's finding that speed yeah. and he's willing to push that issue yeah. and he's going to be in a little more impacts because he's pushing that issue willing to cross that line. We, we and, all do it. Try and jam in as many uh, topics here as we can and back to the Ty Gibbs fight hopefully for the final time this week. I thought Jeff Gluck brought up a great point on his podcast where he said, if, if you're Ty Gibbs, why not just own the role, Jeff, and say, you know what? I am that guy. And yes, I'm the grandfather's you know, son, you know, grandson, and I'm in the car. I'm never going to be fired. I'm always going to have sponsorship. I'm not going anywhere, and this is how I drive. I'm going to be here for three decades. Get over it. Why not just own that role? I, I know it's he, a lot for a 19-year-old to handle. I think he does. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, think, I, think he, I think he starts to, and then he kind of backs well, out. Listen, of it. I, I think he's in a unique situation. He he has he has earned the respect of his competitors from his performance. Period. Like he has, and I think in his eyes, that's what he, that's what his deal is. Like if his if your competitors respect you, if you can look at your competitors and they know they're going to have to beat you. That's the acknowledgement that you're doing your job. Now, he drives for his granddad, okay? But that doesn't make him successful. And he is, and, and I believe in Ty's eyes, if I'm being successful, I'm showing that I belong here. And I think he is. I think he is showing he belongs. I think what Gluck suggested and what you're getting at is, should he turn heel at age yeah. 19 and be the villain? And yeah. wear the black hat for the rest of his career. <laughs> I mean, you might want to check with Coach Joe on that one first because <laughs> I don't know if he'd be so on board with that. And I think he'd probably want to have a say-so right. in how Ty acted here. But I do think there's opportunity for him. And we, we saw Kyle Busch kind of embrace that. He started to embrace a little more about a decade ago in his early 20s. So, you know, maybe. Uh, about a minute left, Nate. I, I, the the Roush-Fenway uh, Keselowski penalties were you talked about today by Scott Miller. How'd that line up with what Brad Keselowski had to say this weekend? Uh, it, fairly well, Marty. Essentially what Scott Miller came out and said was that there were rear fascia mountings that didn't fit with NASCAR's parameters, and this was done during the repair of that part. So NASCAR didn't like that, and essentially, you know, to, to what Brad said, that when they made this repair, it didn't meet NASCAR's approval. All right, there, fair enough. Feel like the garage area is okay with all that? Don't touch it. <laughs> Don't mess with the Don't car is what it. you're saying. A lot that we didn't get to, guys, but obviously a busy week and obviously a busy week coming up with Bristol as well. Happy Easter weekend, everyone. Enjoy the races from Brist- Bristol and around the motorsports world. going to be a lot of fun. We'll see you back here with Motor Mouse on Monday.
With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.